Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kurt. All right. <laughs> I like that one, right? And there. we have to mention we're not wearing headphones, so we've got some new we got some new yeah, tech oh. going. I got these little IFBs. I, I want to share with the audience uh, the upgrades in, in technology that we've got on the show. We got I'm a little struggling. new. We got a new table. Um, what else is going on? We the screen uh, moves now. We've got the loop going. Hey, all types of fancy. I'm telling right? you, it's 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 a big deal. Do you guys uh, this, like it? Can, can we get some tweets? Uh, some YouTube yeah, comments? Yeah, yeah. Tweet us. Tell us. Uh, tell us what you, you think feeling? of the new, Digging of the new a new setup. Look? And the you know the fact that we don't have these giant headphones on that's good. Uh, we've got a great show ahead. We're finally caving to your craven demands and talking about the draft and college basketball. We've got Sam Vicini of the Game Theory Podcast on to talk about all of that. He's an NBA draft expert. Plus, the Hornets playoff hopes are on the ropes. We'll break down our top three reasons why the Hornets are where they are. But first. Why don't we do what we always do at this point in the show, and that's hit the step back. And step back three times, three things we saw. Well, actually two, because uh, unfortunately David not able to make the show. <laughs> yeah, still, Only two. Still out on the road. I promise if, if you only watch this show and don't listen, because he was on the regular morning show this morning. Have so he is alive listening? and well if you only watch this show, and he'll be back with us soon. Uh, but first, Justin, what you got? All right, guys, before I get into this, I would like to kind of give you a brief timeline. So before the Pelicans game, um, I spoke to Kimba, and I asked him, is there there any sign of panic? And Kimba laughed it off and said, no, there's a lot of basketball left. They lost that game. Um, I asked Clifford, "Um, is there any sense of of panic after that? And he said, no, there's a quarter of the way. Well, long story short, they lost to the Bulls last night, and Clifford was very— just very you candid. were there you were inside yes, the locker room just, for that. just very candid yeah and I've always had to say that this team kind of rides the wavelength of Clifford and which was very telling of that was Marvin Williams quote um after the defeat last all night. right we got it here it is you know everybody's trying to be as optimistic as possible you know about the situation and we keep telling each other that we have time but I don't know how much time we have now man uh right now we got to take care of our own business and we're going to probably need a little bit of help from some other teams but uh, you know, we can't worry about that, man. We just got to take it one game at a time. Just got to win as many games as we possibly can, and we'll see where we're at in a couple of weeks. All right, that's Marvin Williams after the game. And you know that what what that what that sound Biden tells is as much as we're going to be professionals and we're mm-hmm. going to keep trying, our chances of making the playoffs are likely gone. And it was very quiet in the locker room. Usually at the losses. mathematically. Yeah, you know, there's no, still a chance. not mathematically eliminated, um, but yes. They could still do it. And usually, like, after a loss, Doug, um, you know, guys will kind of talk to each other and say, hey, man, yeah, it's all right. You know, we're going to keep going. And and last night, it was it was very somber as guys just realized, like, it's, it's very – our playoff chances are not slim to none, but they're extremely bleak right now. And um, it's a tough time right now for this basketball team. 
We've got our first comment here on the YouTube chat room. You can comment on the show live with us here on YouTube from Sivrock saying, playoff level podcast equipment quality, unlike the Hornets team this year. Uh, there like were, that. you know, I mean, I think that's, yeah, I mean, it's a little harsh, but I think it's, it's fair. I think the players, a lot of it, a lot of the responsibility falls on some of the performances that we've seen this season. Um, not from guys like Kimball Walker, who have, uh, he's delivered career numbers. Uh, Marvin Williams has started to come on, but he's come on a little late. So, I mean, you know, I think that's, I think that's fair to put some of the responsibility on them. All right. I'm stepping back to a cavalcade of throwdowns, a festival of yams, a smorgasbord of scintillating slams. And uh, before I hit that, though, I let's see, we're still dealing with the tech here. That's okay. Wait. It's all right, guys. All right. Work with there us. we go. Now, here we go. First, we got this was, uh, yeah, during, uh, this was last night. Marvin Williams continuing uh, his series of throwdowns against the Bulls there. Oh, you got to love this one. Oh, Cody, watch out for that tree. George, George, <laughs> George of the jungle hanging on the rim. Frank looking fresh in his suit. And this is the best one, though. On to Marcus Cousins. He gets the rip and the zip to the rim and the rim wrecking on DeMarcus Cousins, not basically knocking him out of the game, essentially. And oh, my God. Oh, poor Biz. Poor Biz. My goodness. He didn't deserve that. Oh, it's so... It's so unfortunate, oh. but you know, uh, that's what. I, oh my goodness! Oh. Again, devastated with the with oh. the scream. Marvin always he loves to hit that scream. It's so beautiful. It's oh all right. So th- I think you know m- my point in all that is that if the Hornets are not going to make the playoffs, Justin, at least they are going to entertain us, right? I mean, <laughs> and that's the least they could do. Is throw down these tasty yams. It is, it's, and it's been nice. Jeremy Lamb well, had a nice one last like, night, even, also. That's that's true. And mm-hmm. and if you know if they don't make the playoffs, there's I think there's still plenty to play for in this season. And I'm certainly not going to not watch these games. I think there's a lot of performances we've we need to see out of certain guys uh, to solidify their place next season. So uh, yeah, I mean a lot of basketball left to be played. All right, um, we've got the question of the show coming up, and it's our top three reasons the Hornets are where they are. Let us know your top reasons on Twitter or in the comments section. But first, you asked for it, so uh, we're, we're going to get into it. That's uh, the NBA draft. Uh, so many tweets on our Twitter talking like, "When are you guys going to start talking about the draft?" And we were like, "Well, we're not ready. There's, there's still, you know, they may be making a, a playoff push, and I don't want to get too far into the draft yet. But I think it's finally start, finally time to start at least." I don't think we're going to go full bore in this show, but I think we're going to start dipping our toe in the water a little bit. No. And uh, we've got Sam Vicini coming up in a few minutes. But first, I want to talk about what the Hornets should be looking for in the offseason. Let's talk about needs before we talk to Sam. All right. Well, now, before we get into this, okay. how long have people been reaching out to you about drafts? It's been several weeks. I feel like. What do you think, Kurt? I mean, you've you've you're, you've got your pulse, your fingers it, on the pulse. It's definitely started even before the All Star break. It yeah, was... even before the All Star break. Oh, people want to talk, but it's not. I don't even think it's about the Hornets. Okay, I think it's about people love to talk about the draft. Okay. They they love to talk about hope and future and these prospects. And a lot of people watch a lot of college basketball, so it's a mix of two things that they love, the Hornets and college basketball. So I listen, I totally get 
why you would want to talk about it. But I just, you know, from our perspective, we're trying to focus on what's what's happening in the now. But I think it's we're, we're into March. We're about to hit the tourney. I haven't filled my bracket out yet. I'm working on it. I Stop pressuring me, Justin. <laughs> I'm getting to it. We got to do it. We should do one for this show. I've and never done we'll a bracket, the results. though. Is that cool? All right. We'll do that. I feel like I'll jinx Carolina if I make a bracket. Maybe, but that's a, that's a risk you have to take, Justin. Uh, all right. Do you think, you think Carolina can do it all? You think they can go it all the way? I do. As long as it doesn't come down to Roy Williams coaching. Oh, oh God. I, I, I take, you heard what Roy said though today. He said, I, I've been, I've been on the bench for a thousand games. I've won guy. He said, I don't care what guy on Facebook said. I think he mentioned you explicitly, Justin. He said, I, I, like- I don't give a dad gum darn what Justin <laughs> that, said. And that's, that's Roy all the way right there. <laughs> you know, he has his own lingo. All right, so listen, what are the Hornets, before we get to Sam, what do the Hornets need, quickly? Um, I say um, a wing defender, um, yep. preferably anywhere from 6'5", maybe 6'8", um, a guy that can get get after it on the defensive end and can put the ball in the basket. I like that. Also, I think they, and, and David would agree with me here, they've got to get some knockdown shooting. Whether yes. Again, this these are just general needs. I'm not necessarily saying that the Hornets need to go into the draft and find this, but they need knockdown shooting outside. They, their three-point percentage way down on the season, um, and I think they need uh, some shot creation as well. Yes. And finally, and I think most importantly, physical two-way play. They've got to yes. have the physical two-way play. And there's a guy in this draft that I like. I think they can do that oh, pretty yeah? well. Yeah. Oh, well. Let's, well, let's ask. We, yeah. we can ask our... We can ask our friend Sam about it in a few minutes. Um, it looks like he's uh, – Captain Curry looks like he's just finishing up something. So we'll get to Sam here in a few minutes. Here's what I want to talk about before we get to Sam, though. So we've talked about what they need. Um, let's now talk about – let's go the next step, which is can they find in the draft what we think they need? So is there – do you think there is an outside shooter? When you look at some of these mock drafts, do you think there is an outside shooter? Do you think there is a wing defender that the Hornets could get? What can they not get, do you think, at 10 to 14? 10 to 14, that's well, – Not going to get a backup point guard. No, you're not getting that. Um, Those are going to go in the top five. You've got three or four point guards yeah, going in that top have, five. I don't know. If, I mean, I've seen a lot of the kind of the bigs, a few of the bigs. Around that range, um, I think you're pretty set with Frank Cody and, and you have Mason. Um, but I think they could still use – and again, you're talking about a guy at 10 to 14 that's not necessarily going to come in and contribute immediately. I mean you're talking a guy that's going to have to develop somewhat. So I think it would be completely fair for them to go and look at a John Collins uh, out of Wake Forest or, or a Polished. Justin Patton out of Creighton uh, perhaps. And this is more on the – uh, f- kind of physical two-way player, but and I, I can't wait to ask Sam about this. I am like falling in love with Miles Bridges out hey. of Michigan State. The more time, starting to watch tape now, I'm starting s- starting to ingest some of this information, and I really love what I see out of Miles Bridges. He's turning in. If you watched the show last year, I like fell head over heels for Mal- Malik Beasley, and then also uh, Thon Maker. But yeah, uh, more did. so Malik Beasley. I, I went anyone that would listen. I was like Malik. He's gonna oh. now. He's had some injury issues this year, so we've got to wait and see if my love uh, meant anything. Now, but I'm falling for miles. I would like to say I think I should get a, a you know two hand claps and a Ric Flair. Malcolm Brogdon is turning out to be a pretty was that your good guy? basketball player. Was that your guy? Yes. Yes, I wanted Malcolm we'll have to, Brogdon. Uh, Kurt, we're gonna have to go back and look at the tape on that yes. one. I, I don't. I want to make sure he's oh. not Sean Spicering me here. Hey, 
I'm telling you, I wanted Malcolm Brockton. They trade him for Marco Bellinelli, huh? Yeah. Mm. Uh, here's an important point to make with when it comes to talking about the Hornets draft, and it's this: the Hornets are going to have some options. They they're they're going to have the option to. I, because I, I think sometimes you go into a draft and it's pretty clear as a team that you need to make the pick for for a variety of reasons. Either you're rebuilding or it just doesn't make sense for you to move back or move up. But I think the Hornets are going to be in a position wherever they fall in the draft, be it 10, 14, or even you know if they do make a miracle playoff run and in, end up outside of the lottery, where I could definitely see them moving up or moving back, but for different reasons. Moving up... Uh, so th- if they have a specific target of a guy that they want, but they're going to have to give up future draft assets because there's not really a player on this roster that is going to command that they would be willing to give up that would command a you know a top five pick or anything like that. But they could move up if they decided to sacrifice the future. Doesn't seem like a thing the Hornets like to do. Or I think this might be the most interesting one: moving back in the first round or maybe out of the first round entirely in order to get a few of these contracts off the books that are that are movable contracts. And if they do that, uh, then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden they're opening up money in free agency and targeting yes. those veterans that our man Steve Clifford oh, he loves, uh, loves to, he loves loves to get. Good All right, we're going to pick up this conversation uh, after this as well. But first, we got to get out to the Locked On guest line where we have college basketball, NBA draft ex- expert, and certified SBG. He's Sam Vicini. He covers all of this for winnersview.com. Sam, welcome onto the show. How's going, guys? Oh, it's going oh, great. Smiles. So, you know, we, we were talking before we got to you, Sam, that people have – so we obviously we talk about the Charlotte Hornets and we've been focused on the season, but people have been pressuring us since before the All-Star break to talk about the draft because – and you know this – people love to talk about the draft. They love to talk about the future. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've certainly been lucky enough to uh, make my career out of it now. So uh, I appreciate everyone who enjoys the draft as much as I do. Hey, before we get to this draft talk, Sam, can you tell us briefly what uh, Winner's View is all about? I just discovered this. It looks really cool. Yeah, so uh, over at Winner's View, we do uh, a bunch of short video stuff uh, where we are breaking down uh, the really just the Trailblazers and Wizards now. We're probably going to be doing more as the uh, playoffs get going. But we do short videos about the analytics behind uh, the successes and you know maybe criticisms of some of the uh, you know, more interesting stories around those two teams. And we do hockey as well. Uh, there's some DFS aspects as well. I write for sporting news and vice, uh, in addition. So yeah, uh, uh, busy, busy time of the year for sure. All right. Everyone is getting their brackets prepped. Everyone's uh, busy doing that, getting ready for the tournament to get kicked off. But I'm wondering these days, Sam, how much of a factor have uh, NCAA tournament performances been recently in moving certain guys up and down the draft board? Yeah, I think you can certainly point to a few examples. I mean, for instance, the pick that uh, the Hornets traded last year to get Marco Bellinelli, the Kings took Malachi Richardson with that selection. And if Malachi Richardson doesn't go crazy in the NCAA tournament, then I don't think there's any chance he goes in the first round. Uh, With some scouts, it matters more than others. All of these guys definitely want to 
see these players, you know, in, in the most important moments of their season, try and perform up to a certain level and up to par. Uh, you know, leaving a great impression upon NBA scouts is essential, really, to, uh, you know, becoming an elite prospect, I think. You know, there are some guys like Markel Fultz who aren't going to get the chance to, and that's okay. They're still going to be high picks, but it's certainly a place where you can help yourself as an NBA prospect as well. Sam, I haven't even been able to watch Markel Fultz, but I've I've just seen his name just, just popping up everywhere, and I see him number one on so many draft boards. What makes this guy so special? He is just one of those overall complete offensive weapons that have become so valuable in today's NBA as a lead guard. I mean, he is one of the best pick and roll players in the entire country in terms of uh, being able to score from all three levels, as well as create for teammates that uh, were not really up to par this year. Uh, They shot like 28% from three. Uh, Their effective field goal percentage was like the equivalent of 225th in the country this year without him in in the picture. So, uh, you know, just he's an overall offensive weapon at a time where the lead guard position is becoming more and more important throughout the entire NBA. The Hornets will most likely be picking late lottery. Do you see anyone there that could have an immediate scoring impact on an NBA team or or maybe have an immediate impact on the defensive end of the ball? Well, I mean, I, I mean, in terms of defense, Jonathan Isaac, I think, is an excellent fit there. Uh, he is a 6'10", 6'11", player that uh, is a really – solid defender in terms of moving his feet on the perimeter as well as protecting the rim inside he has a nose for the basketball he likes to make plays on that end and he plays super hard already as uh, a 19 year old which is pretty rare on that end so I think he's going to be a really good defensive player the question with him is uh, what is he going to provide offensively right now because uh, he's only taking like eight shots a game for Florida State despite being their most talented player so I just kind of wonder is the killer instinct going to kick in at some point with him or is it not In terms of offense, that's kind of in a weird portion of the draft, right? Where, like, if you have the number 10 overall pick right now, number 10 on my board is Lowry Markinen from Arizona. I don't know how you guys feel about, like, another shooting white center, but, I mean, if I was you guys, I would not feel all that great about it. I think there might be pitchforks in the street. Oh, oh man, people would go nuts after that. Uh, well, it be, you know, it'd be kind of amazing, though. <laughs> well, listen, they're going. They would. They would be testing the boundaries of what the fan base could take in terms of draft news. That's for sure. I know. Um, uh, speaking of what our listeners and what our viewers want out of the draft, I know that a lot of them have been tweeting us saying that they're hoping the Hornets can find a way to acquire Malik Monk in this draft. What makes Monk so special as a scorer? Well, he's just an incredible shooter, first and foremost. I, you know, he is. At one point earlier this year, over the last decade, he had the highest point per shot uh, metric of any player, like in college basketball, over the last decade when they were guarded. And he's just a tough shot maker. I mean, th- those guys are so valuable. The difference with Monk, though, is is that like, is he a guy that actually makes his teammates better? Uh, is he a guy that's going to help you defensively? He's not really much of a passer from what we've seen so far, but the scoring ability just might be so volcanic, so uh, explosive that he's a worthwhile player. Like he could, you know, there are people comparing him early in the season to like Stephen Curry because of the way he was shooting the basketball. And that was overstated, I think like, but if he's a Clay Thompson type shooter or something like that, like 
you just can't ignore players that have put on such incredible displays like he has. He drops 49 or something against North Carolina. He's dropped 40 points like two or three times, dropped high 30s a couple times. This guy is just a ridiculous scorer in terms of creating his own shot, either on step backs or uh, just off of the catch, off of screens. Any, any chance that he falls back in this draft at all? Well, I would be surprised if he fell out of the top 10, I would say. Uh, you know, even the top nine, really, I would be relatively surprised. There are a lot of teams that could use uh, the shooting ability that he can bring. But what I will say for him is like teams definitely have their questions about him. Like, is he going to be able to defend? He's six foot three and six four wingspan. Uh, is he going to be able to uh, become a better passer, more of a player that also helps make his teammates better around him. Uh, having said that, though, he's going to be an explosive player in transition. He's going to be an explosive shooter. Uh, but the margin of error for those guys that are 6'3", that are explosive scorers, it's razor thin. Like, you quickly go from being uh, Stephen Curry to, like, Lou Williams, <laughs> just, like, in a matter of a like a snap of the fingers, just because, right. uh, like, it's so difficult for those guys to get efficient shots a lot of the time. There's a guy that me and Doug have actually been talking about as of late that I didn't know he even liked, um, in Miles Bridges. Um, I've seen him. He was mine first. Well, I've been on the Miles Bridges train since high school, but we won't go there. <laughs> and we, I've seen him in some mock drafts anywhere from 10 to 14, and that's probably where the Hornets likely will be drafting. Um, he seemed like a big guy, can play both ends of the floor. Um, what do you, how do you see his game translating in the NBA? I'm a big fan of him as kind of a connector. Uh, of lineups right like he can play the three you can play him as a small ball four uh he's going to be able to play in a wide variety of different lineups do you want to play big you want to play small i think he's going to be able to do both and that's kind of a uh, difficult player to find in today's nba the wing position is uh one of the most scarce positions in the entire nba so uh, he's going to provide value there. He's going to provide value defensively. He's going to provide value as just an incredible, ridiculous athlete that is going to be able to uh, finish above the rim and get out in transition. Uh, and he's also a really good passer. I think that's probably his most underrated skill is the fact that uh, he's able to create uh, either from the top of the key or uh, from the wing or uh, in the post. He's not really great at passing on the move yet, but I think he might get there. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a really interesting player for the uh, for the Hornets. I don't really think he has a crazy amount of star power necessarily, which to me is kind of where the Hornets you know, should be looking, even though it's difficult to find that obviously in the 10 to 14 range. But he would be a pretty nice fit with a Nikola Batum. He'd be uh, an interesting fit with a Marvin Williams as well because of Williams' shooting ability. The Hornets are a team that will have a lot of veterans under contract come next season. So the idea of taking a, a project and developing that player would not be out of the question in my mind. Outside of the, the top five or so, who's your favorite project player in this draft? It's probably Robert Williams, uh, Texas A&M. He is a six foot nine pogo stick that plays basketball, essentially. Uh, he is <laughs> Tell he me more. seven foot seven foot four wingspan, really, really bouncy finishes way above the rim, like way, way above the rim. Uh, really good shot blocker. He was the sec's defensive player of the year this year. Uh, just because of the way he's able to shut down the area around the rim. He's pretty mobile as well on the perimeter. 
But the, the key skill for him is that he's flashed a jump shot this year. Uh, he's only hit like two of 23s, but the mechanics on it look pretty good. Like it looks like once he gets with a shooting coach, once he gets with uh, maybe guys in the Hornets organization, for instance, uh, he might be able to fix that jump shot and become kind of a Serge Ibaka, like archetype of player. You know what I mean? Like he might not yeah. necessarily be Serge Ibaka. He might not reach the level where I think Serge Ibaka was probably one of the 30 most valuable players in the NBA at one point in Oklahoma city. I don't know that he'll ever get to that level, but he can be a similar type of player to Serge Ibaka where he's able to protect the weak side of the rim with a vengeance and then also potentially uh, stretch it out and shoot from maybe even the NBA three at one point, but even hopefully from 18 to 20 feet. The Hornets need to add some physicality and toughness on the defensive end. What are some players um, that come to mind that you feel like could address that need? Yeah, Bridges is definitely one. Uh, you know, just having that physical uh, mentality that he does, he, he would definitely provide some power on that end. The, the area that the Hornets are drafting in, though, is a little bit strange in terms of that, right? Like you're talking about guys like Terrence Ferguson, who's like a skinny project 3 and D guy. John Collins isn't a defender yet. Luke Kennard, not really a defender at all. Uh, Jarrett Allen is an interesting guy if he decides to leave Texas. There have been mixed reports on that recently. Uh, he's a big guy that has long arms, seven foot five wingspan. He's really filled out his frame over the course of the last year. Uh, he definitely has been more of an offensive player than a defensive player this year, from what I've seen at Texas. But Anytime you're that kind of size, six foot ten with a seven foot five wingspan, you're going to be able to uh, protect the rim in a reasonable way. And if he can add some physicality to his game, that would really help him. Uh, Semi Ojale is another guy that I think could really rise up boards as the draft process continues to go. He's a six foot seven power athlete at like 235 pounds. He's really worked hard to uh, build up his body and become the player he has. I don't think he gets into the lottery range, but if the Hornets were to like, you know, go on a run here for some reason and end up making the playoffs, like in the eight seed out of the Eastern conference, I don't think he would look super out of places like the 16th overall pick. And uh, he's shooting 40% from three. Like I said, a guy who can not only uh, defend on the perimeter, but also defend in the post. So uh, those are the kind of guys that I really like guys that have some lineup versatility to them. Sam, you mentioned a name that I've been trying to do some research on and get some insight on. Um, and Terrence Ferguson, I know he's six seven. I believe he's playing in Australia, and I've heard he could shoot. What What do you think about him? Yeah, he, he did not necessarily have a great statistical run in Australia. I think he put up like a five point three per in like four hundred fifty minutes for Adelaide, which on its surface looks just atrocious, but you have to remember he was one of the younger players in his recruiting class. I think he's still 18 years old. Um, he's six foot seven. Like you said, six foot 10 wingspan, but still super skinny. He's not really ready to play like professional basketball as an 18 year old yet. Uh, he does showcase a lot of defensive versatility because he has really, really quick feet and he has really explosive athleticism. This is a guy that, is kind of like Zach Lavini in terms of the way he can leap and be creative in the air. It wouldn't be crazy to me to see him win a dunk contest one day. Uh, and the fact that he can shoot also is something that is relatively clear at this stage. He won the Hoop Summit game MVP last year, uh, while I think he made like seven or eight threes from uh, up in Portland. So, uh, yeah, he's a guy who definitely when he gets hot, he's knocking down shots. He's really effective, but uh, he's still, I think, a year or two away from being an effective wing player in the NBA. 
All right, great stuff, Sam. We're just getting started with our draft research here on Locked On Hornets, and you've done a, a great job of uh, basically telling, teleporting us uh, to, uh, to a better place. So thank you so much, Sam, for all of that information. <laughs> and where can people find you on Twitter and online? Yeah, people can find me at Sam underscore Vicini on Twitter. Uh, you can follow the Game Theory Podcast, which is my podcast. We're going to be going you know, pretty close to daily at this stage for the NCAA tournament, at least five days a week while this entire thing is going and going wild, really. Uh, and you can follow my work over at, like, uh, like we said earlier, winnersview.com. You can find it at Sporting News. I'll have a new updated NBA draft big board dropping there probably tomorrow. Uh, as well as Vice, I write a NBA draft column weekly for Vice. So uh, follow all of those places. Yeah, the Game Theory Podcast, fantastic podcast, by the way. 98 minutes on the NCAA tournament the other day, and I enjoyed every single one of them. Got me through my work day. So thank you, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No problem. I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. <laughs> all right. Have a good one, Sam. You Sam too. Vecini. Great stuff. I feel so much better because that's a, he's he's kind of like the the cliff notes guy that comes in everything. The guy that helped me get through college. I'm, I I follow him. I've been following him. I think maybe two years or so. So as soon as the drafts start coming along, I don't even have to tweet. I just I just watch his time. Is that a question? So you've been following. <laughs> You've been a Miles Bridges guy since high school. Were you exaggerating yeah. there? No, honest to God. Um, well, I wanted him to come well, to Carolina, was he like, but he wasn't. What was he like eleven when you were following him? I don't no, think this he, is legal. No, I'm talking about like his <laughs> his senior year, like before he got. to I Michigan went and watched State. him at, at elementary school. <laughs> no, um, oh, I just came on to him. I just came on to him late. Um, I think I think Miles Bridges was like the, like the number since two he was three. in high school. Yeah. Oh, see, when you said it, it made you. It made it say that Captain Kurt agrees. No. When you said it, it made it sound like you said since you were in high school, yeah, you've like been you were watching him when he was in middle school. Or- okay. Yeah. Okay. Never. Okay. Now I can see the confusion. I was like, what? I was like, I, I just watched him in the McDonald's All American game. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Hey, I'm just glad we're All able right, to clear we're on. That up. We're on the same page okay. now. But interesting stuff there from from Sam Vecini, and I like you know. So I had some question marks about Jonathan Isaac and his ability to play defense. Because if you haven't seen him play for Florida State, first of all, his his statistics are a little deceiving because Isaac plays on such a deep and really really good Florida State team. He's playing, you know, kind of third fiddle to Bacon and others that are that are lighting it up for Florida State. So his stats can be deceiving. But I had some questions about his defense because of his size. I mean, he's a skinny guy. He reminds me a lot of Brandon Ingram in terms of his body makeup. But you can't argue with that wingspan, Just and he's playing. Long kind of a power forward position a little bit for Florida State, but he's going to definitely be a lengthy wing. And I could see, I think, see, this is why I don't want to fall in love with Isaac. Because uh-huh. that feels like the guy, he feels like Thon Maker to me. Because I fell in love with Thon Maker, and then, it, but I knew in the in the back of my mind, in the depths of my heart, that Maker was going to move up into the top 10 or top five and be and be out of range for the Hornets. And, and that happened uh, he fell into the. He went into the lottery. Went to the Bucks last season. So, I don't want that. I don't want to. That's what the, I'm trying to have realistic love. That's why I like Miles it's Bridges hard. because all of the mocks that I've seen so far, and we're early in this process. Let's say that, but all of the mocks I've seen so so far make Miles Bridges acquirable in that ten to fourteen Man, range. He's a bulldog. I think I he's. Mean, he, see, I may be. I may be. We got to stop talking. So Miles Bridges is not very good. Don't listen. Yeah, uh, you know. Right. You know. Got to start talking him down so that the Hornets have an opportunity I didn't to draft know him. That Terrence Ferguson 
was like he just didn't have the body yet. Because I remember following him in high school, and I knew he went to Australia. And as soon as he said he didn't have the body, I was like, ugh. Cancel him. D-Train on Twitter saying, We desperately need an athletic big man that can defend, rebound, and finish. That's asking a lot. That, that, that is. In the draft. But, uh, Especially with some young you know, guys, because everybody's 18. Yeah, it's interesting that, that Sam said that John Collins, who is a guy that I really like, but he's, he's raw as a defender. and He's a guy with a, a ton of size, um, but in a, a big wingspan as well. But his game is focused offensively. He, he, he can create a jump shot, just from the little tape that I've seen, he can create a jump shot like few other bigs in this draft. So from an offensive standpoint, John Collins very exciting, but I don't know. Obviously, there are some questions defensively. And then he mentioned Robert Williams as a possible uh, project. And, you know, I, I think Robert Williams would definitely be one of these guys that, I don't know, necessarily has a high ceiling, but could be developed into a a reliable star for many years. I, think. I have a Kirk, not a uh, star, a reliable, I should say, a reliable rotation player. How would you feel about another project? I think it all depends. Okay. I mean, at what position and how far away is this project? If it's only a little bit away, then maybe. But you've got some. My thing is like. I don't necessarily know that they need an impact player out of the draft immediately because they do. They the have some is. means to address things in the offseason, and they have some players that underperformed, and that doesn't necessarily mean they will underperform next season. Obviously, some things have to settle out. Some some you know some decisions have to be made on certain players. But I just you know ten to fourteen is so difficult to find a guy who's going to come in and make the kind of impact because look. And I know a lot of people will immediately point to a guy that that uh, they wanted the Hornets to draft several years ago in Devin Booker. But Devin Booker, he made an immediate impact because he was getting 28, 30 minutes a night for the Phoenix Suns. Like whoever the Hornets draft, they're not going to get that same opportunity. They're going to have to make the most of uh, you know training camp, make the most of preseason, and then do well with the few minutes that they get throughout the beginning of the season. <laughs> Unless there's an injury. Man, you talk about a Devin Booker fan. That man could light it up. But you definitely made a good point because I, I used to talk to people about it because I was like, yo, I definitely think they should take Booker. And then I thought about it. I was like, well, Batum, MKG, Kimba. I was like, well, okay, he's not going to get all that run. He would have got some second unit run. I mean, better right. to play into more minutes. But he definitely wouldn't have been able to get the minutes that he's getting now to allow him to score 30 points a night. Right. He wasn't getting that. Last thing on the draft here, uh, we've got a tweet from Nate. Nate saying, sorry to start this already, but it's okay, Nate, we're starting. Wait, you, you're, you're, you're right on time. Uh, who's a better fit with Charlotte, Malik Monk or Jonathan Isaac? We got a little breakdown of both of those players from Sam Bassini. Um, what do you think? Um, for me, at the beginning of the year, knowing that Clifford said this team was built to take and make threes, I'm going with Malik Monk. But also knowing that Clifford is such a, a, a big defensive guy, he would he would definitely probably like Isaac, even though he's really raw. But right now, um, as bad as the Horns have been shooting this season, Malik Monk wouldn't be a bad fit. Yeah, I think Malik Monk is the one guy, if they were able to move up and acquire him, or if Malik Monk, for whatever reason, falls back, is the guy that could come in and make an immediate impact because of his ability to knock down shots, which the Hornets desperately need. Um, but that would require them to then go and address those defensive needs on the bench because he, you know, Malik Monk does nothing or does very little to address any of the defensive issues that we're going to get into here in a moment. Jonathan Isaac can stop dribble penetration. 
He can hang with you know shooting guards and small forwards, or should be able to. Um, you know, can can he? And but then there's there's a little bit of an effort question. Yes. And we know. I mean, you you heard Steve Clifford's press conference last night. That's effort. not you know you got to be very careful. Effort um, gets you benched if you're not providing it. That's right. Oh, oh my God. Um, so we're going to be talking much more about the draft in the weeks to come, including all of the options that the Hornets have in front of them and getting deeper into these play- players uh, that could be. And, of course, we got to go ahead and mention right now the disclaimer. Whoever we think the Hornets will take, they will inevitably not take. So, you know, that's yeah, We can that just say we're looking forward to uh, some NBA workouts. That's right. No, I mean, you know, I like draft time. I like the draft. It's not... Um, you know, we, we do a live draft special, may do it again. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, let's go out to uh, Mark exciting. saying uh, about the playoffs, just too many teams between us and the eighth seed. I'm calling it. It's over. Reek for Malik. Stunk for Monk. Oh, I've seen both of those. Yeah. Well, they. I try to get to these early. Try to get these out early, and people have already – they get all the hashtags out there. I, this, it's, it's impossible to be creative now because hey, everybody it's, it's else tough. gets to it first. It's tough. Um, Sivrock saying people were saying there's still a chance for quite a while for the uh, Carolina Panthers to make the playoffs last season too. <laughs> Winky face, man! Listeners are dropping daggers I'm right now. You. What's going on? Actually, everybody, oh, it's the cold weather. That's what it is. People gonna, are people are done ha- with this cold weather. Man, I'm gonna have to try to find this tweet real quick. This thing was hilarious, and it was about Nick Batum. All right, well, okay. Sivrock saying, uh, the chances of show picking someone most fans will disapprove of, respectively, not going for the best available player are... Are pretty high, so there's a lot right. of. Are you? I don't yeah. want to butcher his last name. Um, well, let me go find his his at name. His at name is at James the Fourth with the numeral four in it. So I tweeted earlier this said, Nick Batum <laughs> is not feeling well. Right. He, he won't be traveling the team to Indiana, but if he feels better, he'll join the team out there. You know what this man quoted the tweet with? He's still sick about that crucial turnover and crunch time against the Pelicans. Everyone, or the relax. other thirty he's committed this season. Everyone, Ooh. relax. Nick Batum is not a popular figure in Charlotte right now. Well, all right, let's get to, uh, it's time uh, now for our question of the show. Always question with the Q. Questions help us learn things new. Question marks are very cool, especially when you're in school. Always question when you try. You'll find who, what, where, when, why. Question marks are very fun. Let's break them down now one by one. Question of the show, what are your top three reasons the Hornets are where they are? We've gotten a few responses already on Twitter. Let's go out. Jay Hollis Hoops, as a Twitter celebrity, oh, tweeting us. He fought, But, uh, you know, he follows the Hornets pretty closely. Awesome. So, uh, number one, letting uh, Lee, Lynn, and Big Al go. Number two, replacing them with Ramon Sessions and Marco Bellinelli. And number three, not finding a number two for Kimball Walker. Batum is a glue guy, a number three guy. Um, Raul, uh, Raul says injuries, lack of quality depth and lack of in-game adjustments. Uh, our editor at at the hive chiming in here on Twitter saying an assortment of injuries, Cody's hurt the most utter lack of depth, which sort of go hand in hand there fairly tough schedule after the new year. And that's, you know, not even after the new year, but of course they went through that 18 games and 30 days stretch this Mm -hmm. I think, you know, when you look back and and talk about the story of this season, I think you have to put in there that the schedule was not kind. 
to the Charlotte Hornets. Um, but go ahead and break down your top three reasons. Um, I took these right from uh, the horse's mouth and Coach Clifford, and I'm going to start with number one, their fourth quarter defense. Um, coming into the year, uh-huh. Clifford said, hey, in order for this team to be really good, they need to be top five in defense. Yeah. Um, Clifford said as many a times, they're not making enough plays. They're not tough, and they beat themselves. Two, this team is not making any threes. They're among the worst on shooting this season. Um, going into the year, Clifford also said this team was built um, to make and take threes. They haven't um, done that too well. And I would say the third one is just a struggling bench unit. Bellinelli, Kaminsky, Lamb, Sessions. They were never – I was very excited about this group coming to the end. Um, I remember Ramon Sessions was really good here. Um, Jeremy Lamb spoke ab- about how he was, you know, a changed man. And mm-hmm. and Clifford had been trying to get Bellinelli for a year now. So I figured, okay, you have a, a point guard who can get it to two guys that can stretch the floor. Um, this should work, even with Kaminsky. And they were just never able to get going. Um, there were some injuries in that group, but just more importantly, they were just never able to get going. Yeah, my top three are going to, and, and you mentioned three-point shooting. That almost snuck in there. It would be definitely number four um, because, you know, you knew things were going to struggle when MKG uh, struggled out of the gate to shoot. Marvin Williams was aggressive with his shooting, and it did not it did not come around. It's finally starting to hit now, but you knew that something was a little off with this team from the very beginning of the season. But no, number three is going to be injuries. Um, they They've... I think if you look at like the total number of games missed versus other teams, they're, it's not a, they're not as bad as a lot of other teams. But I think it all started with that Roy Hibbert injury. You know, played yes. so well in that first game, then the second game, and it affect even though he got back relatively quickly, it affected his season and and started a domino effect uh, in terms of the front court rotation that really devastated this team for a long time and and really led to that eight and three start. Uh, turning sour. Um, but of course, you know, as Josh mentioned, Cody Zeller missing 20 games total in the Hornets, three and 17 in those games. Uh, but really, Kimball Walker, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, the only two players on this team that have been able to stay healthy. So, um, and who would have thought that? I know. It's, it's very surprising. A couple of injury updates, by the way. Ramon Sessions was back in action at practice doing some non contact type things. Miles Plumley was back on the practice court as well today, but no timetable for either one of them to return. I thought it was interesting, Coach Clifford mentioning Miles when he mentioned Briante's toughness and, and his intensity, and that's why he got Briante in there. He mentioned Miles as a guy that could provide this team with that. And and the Hornets and fans really didn't get a chance to see that because his conditioning wasn't there and then he got injured. But I think that lends a little bit of hope, a little bit of what or an idea of what they're looking for from him when he does when he is able to return. Don't know if it will be this season though. I don't think so. Johnny O'Brien is still out with a sprained ankle. Nick Batum did not practice today, uh, out with a migraine. Not scheduled to fly with the team to Indiana, um, but the team did say that he could meet up with his team on Wednesday if he does feel better. My number two, bad bench play. Starting lineup with Zeller in it is seventh in offensive rating at 107.9, third in defensive rating at 99.3, and a rebounding percentage of 51.1%, which is tops on the team as well. The starting lineup with Frank the defensive numbers dip to 105.8. The offensive numbers stay relatively the same, but the rebounding dips to 45.7. So even without Zeller and the rest of the starting lineup, there's a change. But then you get into some of these bench lineups that we've seen this season. Batum with Bellinelli, Roy Hibbert, Frank Kaminsky, and Sessions, 111 defensive rating from 99. That's a big deal. 48.9% rebounding. The rebounding numbers went down with Hibbert in, in the lineup. 
MKG with Bellinelli, Hawes, Kaminsky, and Sessions, 106.3 with a defensive rating of 49.6. And I know Hawes and Hibbert aren't on the team anymore, but they haven't been able to replace them because of the Miles Plumley injury. They haven't been able to replace those players with uh, adequate uh, personnel. The only thing that stabilizes things defensively for the Hornets on these lineups is by adding Kimba Walker and Cody Zeller, and that's why we've seen their, their minutes increase. Um, finally, fourth quarter defense. That's my number one. Number one on the list, fourth quarter defense, crunch time, physicality, crunch time, toughness. That's been the difference in so many close games. The Hornets' stats are relatively similar. They're ninth overall in defense for the year. Top 10 defense. And Clifford said it, uh, Captain Kurt, after the game yesterday, that no other teams would look at the Hornets and, and think they were ninth defensively because so many teams have been able to dominate them in the fourth quarter and let me list some teams. Oh, so they're ninth on defense overall, 19th in the fourth quarter. Let me tell you some teams that do play well in the fourth quarter. We're talking about the Miami Heat making a tremendous run in the Eastern Conference. We're talking about the San Antonio Spurs, the Detroit Pistons, the Toronto Raptors, the Atlanta Hawks, and the Golden State Warriors. Do you see a trend here? Uh, you playoff play, teams? Yeah. You play defense in the fourth quarter and you go to the playoffs. You don't play defense at the end of games and you sit at home, unless you're the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are surprisingly 30th in the league in fourth quarter. And that's just because they but have you know, but yeah, Okay, yeah. <laughs> let me, let me uh, addendum. If you have a, a, a ton of superstars and, and can go out and buy that. whoever you want, then, then you're, you, can, you can slack a little bit in the fourth quarter. Uh, since the All-Star break, they have improved their fourth quarter defense to 14th in the league, but they still have a negative net rating. So the offense has not been able uh, to compensate for that. Um, let's before. Okay. So we've got you. Okay. With that coming up plus, uh, our gift of the week. But before we get to that, the Hornets are playing the Indiana Pacers tomorrow night in Indiana. The Hornets beat the Pacers just over a week ago in Charlotte, but Indiana was on the back half of the, the second night of a back to back. And it was a traveling back to back for Indiana. So really tough situation for them to be in. Um, but guess what? They're going to be on a back to back again. How about that? Getting Indiana twice on the second night of a back-to-back. Very interesting. Also, uh, they're in New York City for Snowmageddon, the Northeastern, uh, what do they call it? Thank um, God, we don't have that Weather snow. bomb. So uh, that's going to be interesting. When do, how late do they get back to Indiana? I think this could be another uh, sneaky victory. It sounds like a W. Against Indiana. Uh, the, but... The Pacers do play well at home. They're 23-10 and 10 this season at home. That's the fourth best home record in the Eastern Conference, so the Hornets are going to have to do work. They're, hey, they're going to have me, to. I mean, you, you don't think – this team's not ready to give up. I don't. I mean, they're, they're a little disappointed in the locker room, but I don't feel like this team is ready to give up. No. Um, it, I, I'm t- it just like went to the conversation right before the Pelicans game. When I, when I talked Kimba about it, I was like, Kimba, I mean, it's, you guys are three games out. About 17 games left. And he looked at me like, oh, man, there's a, there's a lot of basketball left. And and they're just and they've actually been really positive. Um, even after taking these L's. Now, last night, that was different. They, they were hurting last night. Um, but for the most part, even today, Marvin um, showed up. Good energy. Clifford he had his good energy. And it's, I think it's just their genetic makeup that they've had guys not playing well at key moments. Mm-hmm. But I find the core guys like Kimba, MKG, Marvin. They all feel like they're still a chance. It's such a, and I think it goes to. I'm just, I'm so, I keep thinking about Clifford's 
comments after the game where he talked about, you know, being the right coach every season for for a team. And I just think about some of the additions that they made this season or guys that they've had to count on. Because look, Kimba has been as tough as it gets. He's been he's been MKG has given every ounce of himself. Everything. Despite the shooting woes. He's given every ounce of himself. Marvin, despite the struggles early in the season, leaving everything on leaving the floor. everything on the floor. But there are certain guys, yes, that are not giving a hundred percent on defense specifically. And you, you, when you have a team, and I know Clifford would make the same point. When you have a team that does not have superstars, everybody has to be on board. Everybody. Everyone has to buy in. And for some reason, these guys aren't buying in. I think maybe missing the playoffs is exactly what some of these guys need. It, it it has to. I remember even watching the game, and um, I guess this would just be the roast of Jeremy Lamb, but there were multiple <laughs> times I was watching the oh, game. Oh, Lamb! And it, it was like he... Oh, Jeremy Lamb! It's like he did not know yeah. what was going on. I mean, Kimball would look at him. Marvin would look at him like... Like, you're, you're not even... There was a time in the fourth quarter... Um, there was a closeout. Kimba is running to the short corner. That's where that's his guy. Yeah. Lamb is supposed to shoot right up to the top corner of the three. Lamb mm-hmm. runs right to the corner with Kimba. I think Meritage, wide open three. Yeah. And Clifford's on the side like there, I, and the and the couple of moments where he had the, you know, going over the top of Dwayne Wade biting on his fake. I mean, you could see like, the, the exasperated looks on Clifford's face. And I think, you know, Every I know that a lot of people were rooting for Jeremy Lamb because you know he comes to he gets in the off season and once again you know he says I'm ready to play 82 games I'm ready uh, for the rigors of this season last season you know I had some he admitted that he had struggles you know maintaining his energy level taking care of his body taking care of his mind you know to get through what an 82 game season does to you um, but it, it looks like once again and the problem is. Who who is Clifford going to go to? He, he doesn't have anybody else. It's, it's it's you know that's it's part of the injury thing. So we're we're seeing, uh, you know, part of this is that unlike last season, where you know you had a Jeremy Lin, you had a Courtney Lee, where you didn't have to go to Jeremy Lamb. I think if look, I'm going to say this: if Jeremy Lin and Courtney Lee were still on this basketball team, Jeremy Lamb would not be playing. Nah, he wouldn't. Is there any question? Is there any question? I don't think so. I don't, I don't. And what makes I think what made Clifford so frustrating is that I see you on the offensive end. You're giving it your all. Any any three you yeah. want, you're taking it. it almost, you're going yeah, to the it's cup. Twenty six points almost makes it worse. Oh yeah, but then when we need you, when you know our calling is defense, yeah. And this is critical moments in the game, and you aren't even there. That's frustrating. I've I've never seen Clifford has always been been very honest. I've never seen him that candid last night. There, there was a look of frustration on his face that he feels like he's letting this team down, and I don't think that's what it is. And there's some guys in moments that are that are crushing it. Yeah, to beat to beat the Pacers, they're going to have to give their all on defense because Paul George lit them up in the last mm-hmm. game, and and you know you know if Paul George is in a mood, if he's feeling it, there's not much you can do about that. So you've got to do what they did in the last matchup, which is stop guys like Miles Turner from having an impact. To me, that's the matchup. It's not MKG versus Paul George. It's Zeller versus Turner. It's um, you know uh, it's Batum versus Monta. You know it's these kind of if Batum is able to play. If not, Kimba it's Teague. Lamb. It's Lamb versus Monta. I mean, if Lamb lets Monta do the same things that Dwayne Wade did or Rajon Rondo did, Cl- then Clifford they're going to be in trouble. Him. I think Clifford would pull him. I think he'd say, Bellinelli, 
at least at least okay. drop your butt. And we know what Bellinelli does on defense. All right. Well, they, you know, uh, the Pacers, they like to steal the ball. They like to get out and run. And they like to get Paul George in isolation sets and let him cook. Uh, so those are the keys to the game is just to, to key in on those things and stop this. PG got off to a rocky start in Charlotte. And he finished yeah. with 36 and 10. Yeah, I know. He's, he's going he's gonna to just keep coming and coming and coming. All right. Let's move on to one of our favorite segments here on the show. It's a little thing we like to call, you okay with that? And where we break down some of the things going on, maybe around the Hornets organization, maybe around the NBA, and we ask a very simple question. You okay with that? And then we bring out these little fancy boards here that I've made. And we give it a we give it a thumbs down or a thumbs up, you know, whatever we're in the mood for. First of all, uh, this is an all-NBA topic. Steve Kerr resting all of his starters for a uh, national TV game against the the, Golden, the, um, the San Antonio Spurs. Are you okay with – this is a, a high topic of debate. Are you okay with resting starters? Are we just going for this Saturday night and, the, and that importance of a game? Because I was not okay with that. You're not okay. not okay with that. I, I was You're not, not okay with Kerr resting the starters against San Antonio. No, not only – the Warriors won. They haven't even been playing good basketball. Um, and then the fact you come into a big game against the Spurs, who are right on you now. I think they have the same record. So you're coming at it from a competitive yes. standpoint, as opposed to a standpoint a lot of people are coming to this from, which is uh, this is not okay for the fans. And that's not who pay either. to see the, who pay to see the players. Um, thankfully, I will say this: of of all of the games I've been to as a kid, I was a big Kobe Bryant, big Allen Iverson fan. And thankfully, none of the games I went to see Iverson and Kobe they ever set out. But I know as big of a deal as Curry is that a lot of kids were probably hurt. I'm listen. I'm sorry, kids. Um, we've got some tissues for crying, as David would say. Nice. But I'm okay with this. I'm going okay. No chance. You know why? Because the schedule is rigorous, and no one knows that more than the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, they don't rest a lot of players, but they don't have that luxury. I think if they had that luxury, they certainly they would look would. at it. I don't care. Yeah, I know Michael Jordan has his thoughts on resting players, but if you have a chance at a championship, you you, you rest players, and and until they fix the schedule. Uh, you know, and they got to do whatever they got to do. Reduce the number of games, get it down to seventy-five, just like with that that lockout year, um, where guys bought. I mean, all the science is there that says, you know, this is not good for players to play. You know, every other night like the Hornets have been doing, it leads to injuries. And until they fix that, I'm okay with resting players. Actually, I will say this: I am happy because I do I feel like they're. Um, I feel like they're probably forcing the league's hand to say, "Hey, these big you want these these ratings on these big network games? Well, if you don't change up the schedule, we're not going to play people." This is a funny one. Um, so I was on the Hornets Reddit recently, and they are they are scouting Rich Cho's Instagram, and Rich Cho is on Instagram, and he all he tweets are pictures of his food. And with detailed explanations of, of where he is and what he's eating. Show knows. Show knows. Show knows food. Um, but people have been stalking his Instagram and uh, basically trying to determine who he's scouting. So he was in Nashville for one of these. Maybe he's scouting John Collins, De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, you know, these SEC guys. Um, are you okay? <laughs> are you okay with people – Taking uh, these Instagram posts and trying to get some info from them. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I guess it can't be a bad thing. So I, you okay I, with that? Yeah, I'm okay with it. Hey, it's, 
I guess not, it could be a little I'm not fun. okay with it. Leave the man. Leave the man's Instagram alone. This yeah. is not. This is not a good source of information. Reddit always likes to investigate things. This feels like a very. I'm not. A, I love the guys over at Reddit, but this feels like a very Reddit thing to do. Is to like extrapolate uh, who who he may be. It's Kentucky all fun. It's all Vanderbilt fun. But leave the man. Let the man eat his. <laughs> Fun food and take pictures of. Well, excuse me. <laughs> All right, last one. You okay with this? <laughs> I don't even want to show this. I have to. All right, this is Goran Dragic, uh, Miami Heat point guard. Got a big old boo boo. Check this thing out. My God, that is not photoshopped. Oh, those are no God. pixels were harmed in the making of this photograph. He know he just got a big old shiner on his eye, and that thing swelled shut. Oh my God! Look at that thing. His Dra- eye—it's like it like doubled in size, but it's also black. Dragic takes. I'm gonna tell you why I like it. And he played. He played that's, after. <laughs> like that's after he got back into the game. Dragic is a soldier. Are you okay? So I guess the question is: I mean, nobody's okay with that photograph. My God, sorry, I just traumatized some people. But are you okay with him getting back in the game with with one iola? Yeah, Dragic is a warrior. <laughs> what was it last year? He got hit in the face like three times. He lost a tooth. Uh, I think he cut his lip. Dragic, nothing keeps Dragic off the floor. That's my well, type of guy. It's it's. I'm okay with this as well because it's little things like this I think that have inspired this team. Uh, to produce how they've produced and and get back into this playoff race, it's guys toughing it out. It's guys, and you know, I don't know how it affected his uh, assist to turnover <laughs> ratio, um, but I'm totally okay. You know, I, it's funny because I was just not okay with, or I was just okay with resting players because of injury. But yeah, it's an eyeball. It's, it's like, nah, go at it. It's, a, it's not like a knee. It's not like something that's gonna. It's not gonna like unless it just fell out or something. That you know, I don't even think. <laughs> I don't like, even think it's like they're like searching around out. for contacts. Except it's it's uh, Goran Dragic's eyeball. You seen an eyeball around here? It just starts rolling right out of the. It arena. is his teammate Tyler Johnson's playing without a front tooth right now. Yeah, about dude, the, game. Dude, the boys it's in like Miami a hockey team. Beat Miami Heat's like a hockey team. Telling you, I don't even oh. think Spoelstra could have kept him out. These guys are tough, man. Dragic and was like, and nah, listen, we're when, when the Hornets the played them, uh, the Heat played them tough. I mean, this is just a, it's a scrappy team, and, and they play like it. All right, uh, just a few minutes left in this show. Time once again for our GIF of the week, courtesy of at Hornets Gifts on Twitter. This week's GIF was inspired um, by last night's defensive letdowns. Uh, this did not happen last night, but uh, we called up this GIF. <laughs> the goat slapping they're not slapping five there no that's get just <laughs> justin why are you laughing have you ever been smacked up side your head like that uh, i have a few times <laughs> i have that does not surprise uh, me oh man i've known you i've known you for oh. a little bit and that does not surprise could me. you imagine if he would have tried to give mj a look he did not he didn't respond oh, that's the brilliant part he does not oh, respond he knew better he does not respond at all. Like, he yo, just you takes can't it, say anything. Just takes it right on the dome. Oh. Because that's the goat. You don't I'll you never don't, forget. The, the ceiling n- is the roof. The night Kobe Bryant gave me his wristband, Kwame Brown didn't do a box out. And Kobe grabbed the basketball, slammed it on the floor, yelled at Kwame, and told him to think and pointed at his head. And that's kind of the closest well, thing. Well, I, I mean, Kobe that. also threw basketballs at people's heads. So I think Kwame was probably I mean, like, whew, got away I, with one I there. Mean, Jordan punch teammates. I mean, the great ones do it. There you go. The great ones do it. 
they assault their fellow <laughs> teammates, I guess, is, is the moral of that story. All right. Well, if you have a GIF, uh, if you have a GIF that you'd like to submit for GIF of the Week, you can always email it to us at buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com or tweet at Hornets Gifts. Go on there and follow at Hornets Gifts on Twitter and tweet your nomination for GIF of the Week. That'll do it for us. Thanks for watching. And don't be stingy. Share the best Hornets coverage in Charlotte with a friend. You can also subscribe to our daily podcast on iTunes. Just search Locked On Hornets. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes. As I said, stay up to date. We want to hear from you. Email us your Hornets questions, your thoughts, comments to buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. Bit of fun show. Thanks for watching for the entire crew. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV? Don't